Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at Amber BGA. Today on the podcast, I was delighted to speak to Neil Gaunt, who is the creator of the Business Bot Single Organising Idea and the author of Core the Playbook and Core How a Single Organising Idea Can Change Business for Good. We spoke about his optimism for the future of the planet and how he thinks MBAs should be at the forefront of the environmental challenge. Here's that conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Could you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, I I suppose I've been lots of things, actually. When I uh, set out in life, you know, at first I was a soldier and then I uh, spent some time as a designer, a graphic designer, had a graphic design business in in Chelsea in London uh, for 10 years, actually. And I uh, sold that to... um, uh, a big advertising company, and I went to work for a uh, for WPP, who you may or may not know is run by a guy called Martin Sorrell, or it was, and it was one of the biggest advertising, marketing, and uh, sort of branding and PR conglomerates on the planet. Sixty five thousand people. It, uh, it it had, and uh, I was very lucky. I was in a very senior position there. But um, uh, I was there for three years, and, and during those three years, I didn't have an epiphany, but definitely had a real good think about, actually, what is it I'm doing here, and why am I doing it? And that was back in 2002. So, yeah, that's how I kind of started it, uh, my career. And those, uh, those sort of thoughts led me to actually moving uh, with my family from London down to New Zealand and I got down to New Zealand. I found that actually with what I knew and the skills that I kind of developed and the experiences that I had, that I was a pretty big fish in a, in a fairly small pond. So I started working almost immediately with some of New Zealand's biggest businesses and with the government, uh, uh, various agencies in the government um, around helping them uh, change their businesses and uh, to be more inclusive, if you like. And, you know, one of the buzzwords of the words was, you know, all about uh, employee engagement and all, all of that kind of stuff, but actually helping businesses uh, find their direction. So where I ended up was, um, you know, after having this uh, career in uh, in, in uh, design and then, and then branding was as a strategic advisor. There's so much I want to pick up on from that. To start with, you're probably most well known for coming up with the idea of the single organising idea. For those who haven't heard of that, can you tell me more about it and how you came up with the idea, please? Yeah, so it follows on from what I was talking about just there. So I was at WPP. I was in a very senior position. I help businesses uh, position themselves in the marketplace, if you like. So I was responsible for brand strategies and helping businesses portray what they were about. And these were big businesses like BP, Beyond Petroleum, uh, you know, uh, Anderson or Arthur Anderson uh, before it collapsed and uh, businesses like De Beers and Merrill Lynch. So I was working with these huge global organizations helping them essentially sell their products and services from a strategic point of view, from a positioning point of view. And 
I had issues with it. I, I just had issues with it, but I didn't realize I had issues with it. But when the opportunity came to leave WPP, I did. And I went to New Zealand. And like I said, I started working for a lot of big businesses down there as an independent consultant and reading a lot and really kind of, you know, I had a toolkit, if you like, I had the tools and the processes to do things. But I was reading a lot. And one of the books that I read uh, early in the 2000s was uh, Jim Collins's book, uh, Good to Great, which is a kind of staple business book. And what's interesting about that book is that uh, just sort of it's a fantastic book. It's one of the few business books that actually should be a book and it's not just a magazine article. And Jim talks on, on one of the pages that I, Sometimes I can even remember the page number, but he's just describing two different types of businesses, businesses that are focused on the short term and loads of opportunities, What can, you know, really opportunistic and businesses that look at the long term and are very much focused on an idea. And in a sentence, literally in a, in a sentence to explain this, he explains the difference between a fox and a hedgehog, where a fox is an opportunist very, very short term. And a hedgehog is about long-term focus. And he talks about the hedgehog having a single organizing idea. And those words, it's not one of Jim's processes or one of his tools or whatever. It's just the way he described this. These words, single organizing ideas, sort of, I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but almost floated off the page. They kind of lit up. And I just thought, wow, Single organizing idea, that's a really powerful thing. So I went and looked it up, and I looked up the fox and the hedgehog. And it goes right back to Greek times. So whilst nobody's really very heard of it, actually the principle of it we have heard about. So it goes right back to ancient uh, poets, kind of Aesop fable. And then in the 1800s, there was a, a philosopher called uh, Isaiah Berlin, and he wrote a whole paper about uh, different kinds of people and how some people have uh, opportunistic and very short term and, and all that kind of thing, and, and others that actually have a single focus and look. And that's where it came from. And I realized that when you made that single organizing idea around sustainability, and if you could put that organizing idea, at the core of a business and get everybody to look that way, like sunflowers pointing towards the sun, that the potential of that is huge. And, you know, as the sort of years tick by and we got more and more sort of idea of what's going on with the climate and the unfairness of society and all of those things, the more I realized that I was really onto something and something that went beyond this kind of purpose promises, which is basically what I've been doing at WPP. So I was on the periphery of the Beyond Petroleum thing for BP. So I didn't come up with Beyond Petroleum, but I was part of the company that did. And I was part of the company that had to kind of implement or try and get those values that underpinned it into BP. And as everybody knows, it massively failed and with, with dire consequences actually for that business. So that was my motivation. That's where SOI comes from. That's amazing. And I love that idea. And you started a whole organization around that. And it's got the same name, the single organizing idea. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about what the company does and maybe some of the organizations that have worked with you and have been really successful as kind of like a case study? Yeah. So, so basically, you know, single organizing idea, it's evolved, right? Um, so if I started thinking about this stuff in 2002, 2003, I think 2005 was the first, uh, no, not 2005, sort of 2004 was the first company that I went into, a CEO, and said, who, you know, then worked with me on three, with three other businesses that he went, big businesses in New Zealand that he went on to lead. And I pitched my idea to him about how, you know, if we could get everybody united around a single organizing idea, how powerful that would be. And so we really uh, started working on that. And as I said, I worked with him on three different companies, one in the technology sector called Cordia, uh, one in the uh, in the, the second largest construction business in, in uh, New Zealand is, is called Hawkins. Um, uh, it works internationally as well, has a single organizing idea around building better communities. That's what they're about. They're not just builders. They're about building better communities. Um, and but, but SOI itself has evolved. And really what I don't do anymore is I'm not, uh, you know, uh, uh, an advisor myself. I'm not a business advisor myself. I teamed up with two other people, a guy called Ian Mitchell, who's a tech entrepreneur, extraordinary guy who's today the CEO of SOI, uh, background in, in technology, a very, very, very successful businessman, uh, and a guy called David Bonbright, who has got 30 years sort of experience in the measurement area and assessing organizations whether they're really having an impact or not he's also the creative uh, conceiver of a thing called constituent voice which you can look up on wikipedia and the three of us got together two years ago and um, today what we're about is actually providing uh, the new thinking the tools we have and up to the minute technology. So today we're the one of the leading providers of data-driven solutions for change makers, for business advisors, for change makers in, in within businesses who want to accelerate their progress and leverage sustainability as a way of driving business value. So you know, our proposition is really tight around what we do and how we do it and what we're about today. And we have huge ambitions. Um, the reason why we came together is because we realized that uh, there's a lot of good work being done all around the world, but we're just not achieving the scale we need to achieve. So we launched at COP26. We were up at COP26 last, last November. We did a soft launch then of our of our business of our startup, and then after Christmas we we have started in earnest now um, uh, working with partners that we've got from all around the world, which we already have partnerships with, and attracting uh, business advisors and accrediting business advisors to to be able to go out and change the world using our technology and our tools. You've brought me very nicely on to my next question. I was going to ask you about COP26. What were your key takeaways from the conference? And like, did you enjoy it? What was kind of the atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, I kind of did enjoy it. You know, the bit I didn't enjoy so much is it's really unfortunate. 
But um, I had to, my flight back down from COP26 was on the Friday night. And on the Saturday, uh, we'd, uh, we were meant to meet Barack Obama. <laughs> so I missed, I missed meeting Barack Obama by, by a few hours. So that was, oh that was the only thing. But I think, you know, what, what did I take out of COP26? Optimism, I think. I, I actually do believe, I believe in people. I think that, you know, for all the, you know, all the kind of negative uh, press that there is at the moment, that, you know, and we are undoubtedly going through some of the choppiest waters humanity's ever been through. And I think we need to be absolutely clear about that. You know, we're talking about uh, breakdown in society, you know, climate change, all sorts of trust issues around institutions. We're talking about, you know, great un- unfairness, inequality, uh, you know, the, the wealth issues that we've got, you know, the wealth gap issues. We have a lot of issues. But I believe that the smartest people, and I, and I mean this in the nicest way to all people, but I think the smartest people and and the people that are being driven by a desire to solve a problem are out there busy solving problems. So SOI is one of those organizations. And I think there's a lot more of them today than there was 20 years ago. I think I think it's front and center of an awful lot of people's minds. How do we change things? And so for us, you know, that kind of idea of we feel very much like that we can help change things. But not only can we do that, we can accelerate that change. And that's what's really important because, as we all know, the clock is ticking when it comes to climate change. And climate change has implications right across the board. So it's important that we that we grasp what the issues are and the why. And I think a lot of people now know the why. And what it's now about is actually the how. And, and, and really that's about organizations like ours being able to provide those tools and that technology and technology is really important in all of this and data really really important in all of this is helping making that change so it's equipping people with with those tools so i i'm optimistic on that basis i i do think it's a struggle i i think it's a struggle because one of the major factors you've got to think about is the status quo and people that are invested or yeah, invested in the status quo, they're not keen to give it up because, frankly, they're doing okay out of it. So they are like the foxes. You know, it's kind of short term, and and it's this is benefiting me right now. But I believe that we're driven by progress and the idea of what is possible in the future. And I and I really firmly do believe that when that that what we have out of COP twenty six. And what we'll get out of COP27 is a greater and greater degree of focus. And that will bring lots of people together to say, this is how we do this. So that's why I'm optimistic. And I did enjoy it. It was uh, it was it was good to be with lots of other people that are there, you know, looking for how do we change the direction we're going in. I'm personally terrified about climate change. So it's always really nice to speak to people who are very like senior and experts in it um and hear that they're optimistic because um calms me down a little bit <laughs> um, <laughs> so i was reading on your website that one of the ways that you um try to like spark conversations around change is holding roundtables and small dinners obviously 
pre-pandemic, but I was wondering like how this works, like di- inviting different stakeholders from different walks of life to discuss these ideas. What, what questions do you ask them? And do you think that this is something that organisations should be replicating themselves? And are you still holding them virtually now or what's, what's happening with them? Yeah, so, hey, great question, Ellen. So actually it was an idea, right? So as you possibly know, I've written a couple of books about single organising idea and how I think that it can make a difference. And when I wrote the first book in 2017, I thought, well, how am I going to tell people about this book? Uh, you know, the publishing world's changed. I was with a very good publisher, Routledge, uh, but there was no marketing uh, budget at all, uh, none whatsoever. And we had to kind of think about how do we uh, how do we communicate the ideas in this book and get people to know. So um, I kind of just dipped into my own pocket actually, and I decided that the best way of doing it was to invite people to dinner. And so I had these dinners all around the world, and we called them the core dinner debates. The books are called core. And uh, we invite it. So we had them in uh, Oslo and Stockholm and Copenhagen, Paris, London, two or three, I think, in, in London, uh, Washington, New York, Philadelphia, L.A., went right down to Australia, Sydney, New Zealand, uh, and uh, cities in, in Europe, uh, all over the place. I think we did 15 in the end. And the idea was to invite people from business, senior people from businesses, senior people from uh, NGOs and the sustainability world, and people from academia. And, uh, you know, one of my regrets is actually talking about MBAs is that we probably didn't have enough of that representation of of the MBA generation, if you like, if that's a bit of a generalization, but the generation of people that are taking MBAs at the moment. But the idea was to go around and sort of express the ideas. And the main question was, if we have all of this evidence, if we know we're in this kind of trouble and that actually businesses are in trouble, that they're not being able to operate in the way they used to be, why aren't we doing something about it? And it was a, and that was the sort of main question. And so we had, you know, people from some of the biggest companies on the planet, from all sorts of different sectors. And I took that information away with me. Uh, so it took us a year to do those dinner debates. I took that information and with that information, I wrote the second book. So, and do we run them today? Yep, we do. So, so basically, as I said, we had a soft launch at COP26 of SOI, the the business, our business, our enterprise. And we are now recruiting advisors all around the world. And one of the tools that we give our advisors are these dinner debates and the sort of game plan that goes around. We have lots of other things as well. Like we have a fantastic interactive game that you might, uh, your uh, listeners might be interested in, but lots of different ways of engaging with the audience. So the core dinner debates is a really cool way of doing that. Uh, I think it had its it's good to talk about the why we've got to do it, right? But now those dinner debates are a little bit more of an opportunity to explain how how we do it. So very important uh, initiative, actually. And they work. We hold them at Amber all the time. We invite top business um, school leaders 
and they discuss a problem and they all go away like, with new ideas of how to solve it. So uh, yeah, I totally think they're really important to create these opportunities for people to meet. Yeah, no, it's a great environment. It's a bit more of a relaxed environment, you know, uh, and what's really cool about it, there were dinner debates, right? We had them everywhere. I mean, we had them on a film studio. We had them at the top of the skyscrapers. There were all these sort of, we had them in an architect's uh, uh, boardroom. It was really weird. But then we had all the food was uh, provided by sustainability, uh, you know, sustainable restaurants. And, uh, you know, it's kind of really cool because you can do it and you can do it on a, on the smell of an oily rag, right? You can really do it quite cheaply. And because a lot of these businesses want to know and they want to understand, they kind of come along, but they want to understand what other ideas people have got. And and you're right, Ellen, you know, they then leave with those ideas. And that's that's why I'm optimistic about things because there's this dialogue going on. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you'd have... You know, horrible cliches like business is business, you know, it's kind of horrible, aggressive, you know, it's not like that anymore. It's much more collaborative. I also noticed on your website that you invited some of um, like business school leaders along in the past to these discussions. I was just wondering from that, what do you think business schools should be doing to kind of produce these purpose driven leaders and to embed this idea of sustainability in the future generation of leaders? Yeah, so that's a brilliant question. I was really hoping you'd ask that question. So we are working with business schools, and actually we're working with uh, one of the biggest business schools on, on the planet at the moment, Thunderbird, that uh, you'll possibly know out of uh, Arizona, uh, University of Arizona. Um, they have a massive opportunity, and this is what's really exciting. What's being taught in business schools today is is changing and we completely recognize that and and we see that you know the old mission vision top down uh way that businesses are run that's being challenged it's being challenged by the students themselves around how it works and what works and what doesn't work and the reason why we're partnering with business schools is because we know that we, with our tools, we can create a generation of new advisors. And that might sound like a massive thing, right? But we believe that actually a lot of management consultancies sort of thrive off complexity. It's just in their DNA. So they kind of charge by the minute in eight-minute blocks. It's about, you know, if you have a client that you're trying to help, if you and I'm not going to pick on any particular organizations, right? But you can find in these really big management consultancies that in one part of the consultancy, they're helping a sit one client, uh, a client. Uh, you know, become sustainable, to think about the future, to position itself for the for the future. And out of the very same consultancy dealing with the very same client, you have another bunch of, of advisors advising that client and, and advising them how to keep going with the status quo, how to lobby, how to protect where they are today. And so there's a real hypocrisy going on. And we, you know, challenger brands like ours, challenger enterprises like ours are questioning that kind of stuff. And so we're really keen to engage with young people in business schools to get them to uh, uh, and share with them 
our ideas about alternative ways of running businesses, making businesses much flatter. We don't believe in totally flat organizations, but we absolutely believe in collaborations and much flatter organizations than they are today. We firmly believe that MBAs in particular, equipped with the right tools and having the knowledge, but most importantly, the desire, because it's their future, remember, in all of this, I'm a, you know, I'm a dude in my 50, I'm 58, you know, year old dude. That these young people, equipped with the right tools and 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 and, and use of technology, and they've grown up with technology, we really firmly believe can go into businesses and talk to people at a very senior level, at board level and C-suite level about the future and actually about how they can uh, use our tools and technology to change the direction of their businesses. Because what one has to understand is, you know, an awful lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, I set up my first business, uh, my design business in, in, in London, uh, you know, when I was 27 years old. I wasn't very old. I'd never run a business before. I got on and did it. You know, my partner, uh, Ian Mitchell, he uh, set up a business for people, you know, in his late 20s, early 30s. Um, there, were, there were four of them in a garage in the east end of London, and they ended up employing 1,500 people. You know, it's young people who make things happen. I, I get really excited about the opportunities with business schools and, and, with, stu- and with MBA students, people who are graduating. So just to kind of wrap up, I'm going to ask you a very complex question, which is uh, probably not the last um the best thing to end on but I really like ending the podcast on kind of like a practical note so I was wondering what you think the first step someone listening to this podcast could take to make their organization more driven around sustainability yeah I don't think that's complex Ellen. I think I think actually quite straightforward and actually being straightforward is one of our key values right we, we're trying to make things simple and straightforward so if you want to understand where you I think the first step is to understand where your business is today, right? So where are we right now? You know, is there any part of our business that is aligned with a sort of sustainable idea? Uh, do we have a core purpose? Is, is it sustainable? Is it is it relevant? Is it does it work? So there's two things that you can do actually through SOI. So you can go to our website, soi.org, and you can take our confidence scorecard. There's a scorecard there, and that'll give you a 16-page report. Exactly tells you exactly, but you know, you 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 do the uh you do the uh you, you go through a, a bunch of questions. I, I think it takes four minutes to complete. And you'll get a 16-page report, and it'll explain in that report exactly the kinds of things that you need to be thinking about. So that's the first step that you can you can do. And then, you know, without uh, <laughs> sort of, you know, plugging my books too much, but, you know, I've written two books on this subject, um, uh, Core. Uh, uh, that explains a lot of the why. But actually, if you want something really practical and really pragmatic, you know, have a look at my second book, which is uh, which is called the Core Playbook. And in there, we actually set out all the tools to help you identify and define and align with a sustainable idea uh, uh, and how to put that idea at the core of your business. It's all laid out. What's not in in the playbook because it was published at the end of the year before last is the technology that we've actually developed. So it's what people need today. What people need today more than anything, whether they're investors, you know, pension investors, whether they're 
customers or employees. They want to know whether this business, the business that they're involved in, is really changing and that it's not just greenwashing or purpose washing, that it's doing that. And I actually believe that in the future, and this is our kind of idea, you know, that you see a kind of rev counter and you can see on the website, uh, on the homepage of rev uh, homepage of any company immediately whether this company is actually uh, aligned with a sustainable idea or not and and the, the degree to which it is and what we've done is we've developed that ton of technology to be able to do that so completely independent immutable no arguments this company either is doing it, it is walking the talk, or it's not walking the talk. And it's based on score. And there's no standardization in the world at the moment. And as I say, we've got very, very, very big ambitions. So, you know, we're looking at helping 250,000 businesses over the next five years and engaging with something like 60,000 advisors to equip them with, with what we're doing. So, there are steps that can be taken uh, immediately. And I think that actually those businesses, there are already businesses doing it. But, you know, those early adopters phase is almost gone. We're now into the kind of early mainstream that are coming along and saying, we've got to do this. So it's not about businesses thinking, do we have to do this? It's more like, well, we know we have to do it. And actually, we need to do it now. You've left me feeling very inspired and also very excited about what's going to happen with you guys in the future. Um, so thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Alana. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much to Neil for being on the podcast today. If you'd like more thought leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition. And make sure to listen out for the next Ambition Podcast.